thank you for this time. I thank you tonight for an open heaven, your glory. I thank you for your presence as here in this place. And Lord, we thank you tonight as you speak through me everything that needs to be said under a mighty anointing, Lord. I thank you for clarity that this will flow and everything will be said that needs to be. It will be thorough as we go through some very interesting things, but also some very controversial and somewhat strange topics. But, Lord, we thank you for truth and the revelation of your word that is our anchor. And I thank you, Lord, for the Holy Spirit moving upon this to carry this everywhere it needs to go and get where it's supposed to. And even now, the Holy Spirit's moving upon us to give us good soil of hearts and minds and lives. And as you speak through me, your living seeds of truth sown in a good soil, and it'll plant and produce a hundredfold harvest of eternal fruits. And everything will flow. Everything will be accomplished. And we, we take authority. We bind the enemy right now in Jesus' name that would try to hinder this word in any way. You will back off and go from it now. You're not going to keep it from getting where it's supposed to, accomplishing what it's supposed to. We command it to be bound. As the Bible promises us, the word of God will not return void, but go forward and accomplish that which the Lord sent it to accomplish. So we thank you for it, that this will be powerful, it will be thorough, and everything will be accomplished. That's God's will to be done from beginning to end. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I felt I really need to pray over this. It's uh, controversial, kind of different. So we've been looking at a specific uh, sermon series right now called The Ancient World because as we go through this, we can see in the scripture that some of these things are going to reemerge one day in different ways. I think last week we talked enough about that that you could see that. And so I'm going to try my best to go through this tonight and cover everything that needs to be covered. Well, these are some strange topics that we're looking at. And a precursor to this sermon series was Babylon the Harlot Church. And so if you want to go back and listen to that series before this one, it might help you uh, get some more revelation. But also if the subject of end time prophecy is new to you, we have a sermon series called The Spine of Prophecy that I did a few years ago that's very thorough, goes through, uh, I mean, everything you could imagine in the word in regards to end time prophecy. Then we did another one called Revelation. Um, well, we dealt with the book of Revelation. And that specifically was one that just targeted the book of Revelation. Every single sentence was covered. We didn't leave anything out. It was very thorough. And so those are some sermon series that if you're interested in end-time prophecy, I recommend. But we need to know about some of these things. And I believe that God wants to reveal to us because there's some, some strange things that are going to be going on in these latter days. And I just want people to be aware of it. And so you can make decisions accordingly. I think that it would be wise because the Babylonian system is partly going to be economical that you do your best to try to get out of debt and try to disconnect as much as you can from those things because I think that in the days to come there might be some uh, some difficulties connected with being in deep debt okay but we're looking at Revelation chapter 17 I'm just going to read this 
because I covered this very thoroughly in Babylon the Harlot Church. And then we'll dive into some of the things I wanted to, I felt the Lord wanted me to talk about, rather. Revelation 17, verse 1. One of the seven angels who had seven bowls came and spoke with me, saying, Come up here and I'll show you the judgment of the great harlot who sits on many waters. That's the whore of Babylon. The Bible calls that spirit a prostitute spirit because of its unfaithfulness. It causes unfaithfulness to God, okay? And then also it goes on to say, With whom the kings of the earth committed acts of immorality, which is idolatry, and those who dwell on the earth were made drunk with the wine of her immorality. Again, um, idolatry because people are going to be worshiping the Antichrist in his image, okay? And he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast, full of blasphemous names, having seven heads and ten horns. The woman was clothed in purple and scarlet. Now you see here so much, I don't have time to really dwell on it, but the woman is going to be connected to the false prophet. The scarlet beast is going to be connected to the Antichrist, full of blasphemous names, seven heads or seven principalities, ten horns or ten areas with kings and principalities over those areas. So it's like a worldwide system. And then the woman was clothed in purple, scarlet, adorned with gold, precious stones, and pearls. In her hand, a golden cup of abominations. That's very priestly. So it reminds me of something very Catholic or something like that. That's very priestly. You can see how those type of churches, a lot of emphasis is put on the outward garments. And, and it's, I believe that's what this is speaking of. So you see here the, uh, the spirit, if you will, behind the false prophet. On her forehead... A name was written, Mystery, Babylon the Great. Now, I want you to remember that phrase through this sermon because we're going to deal with that. Mystery, Babylon, okay? The mother of harlots and the abominations of the earth. Now, I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints. So with that, there's going to be a great persecution against Christians first, the first three and a half years of the tribulation, and then great persecution against the Jews the last three and a half years, Okay? So you're dealing with the woman is drunk with the blood of Christians and then there will be also a targeting of the Jews the last three and a half years. So it's going to be a lot of death. And the angel said to me, why do you wonder? I'll tell you the mystery of the woman and the beast that carries her, which has seven heads and ten horns. The beast you saw was, is not, is about to come up out of the abyss and go to destruction. So those that have been with me in end time prophecy will understand this. Others will probably get lost but the one that was, was Babylon. The one that is at that time, at the, this writing is Rome. And then it's going to come back again. It's saying there's going to be like another Babylon that will go to destruction. And you can see that all through the word. Did you know Jeremiah and Isaiah both have long descriptive terms about the destruction of Babylon? It's not just dealing with Nebuchadnezzar's Babylon either. There's a mystery Babylon. And then it says, and all those that dwell upon the earth whose names have not been written in the book of life from the foundation of the world will wonder when they see the beast. Uh, he was and is not and will come, okay? And with that, it's going to be quite interesting to see how this plays out. But it seems that in every possible way you could imagine, Satan is going to do his best to try to counterfeit everything here. So let me give you an example. 
Lucifer is going to try to be a counterfeit of God the Father, and then there's going to be this counterfeit Messiah, which will be a counterfeit Christ. And then there's going to be the false prophets going to be kind of a counterfeit to the Holy Spirit and his power, his giftings and signs and wonders. And not only that, but it seems to say that the Antichrist will have some type of a wound and it will be kind of like a death and a resurrection. I don't know if he's actually going to die, but there, it's going to seem like that. It's going to be kind of like he's going to be wounded, maybe an assassination attempt or something, and then he's going to, people are going to think he either died or he almost died, and then he's going to make this miraculous recovery, and it's going to make the world wonder after him, wow, this guy, you know, and they're going to worship him. And the Bible says that they're going to worship him. They're going to worship not only him, but they're going to worship his idol he sets up, and they're going to take his mark. And so let me just talk about some of these strange things that last week we talked about how Satan, and if you could just look this way, because you're probably going to get lost in these notes anyway. This is more really for me than you, but if you want to jot some things down as we go. But just try to follow me. So last week we talked about Satan, his origins, and how he might have had. And you'll hear me say a lot in these sermons, possibly, or I wonder, and all that, because the Bible isn't real clear on this. But it seems like Satan had some type of a priesthood, if you will, where he led worship in heaven and all of that, ministered in the temple. But, of course, he was lifted up with pride and rebelled. So in that, let me just talk about a few quick things here tonight that I want to cover because I want to get to Nimrod and the Tower of Babel, where we're heading, in Mystery Babylon, okay? But Satan, when he fell, he was a fallen cherub, okay? In Hebrew, it's really cherub, but all right, so we always see it with the C-H, the cherub. He was an anointed cherub, and if you study these beings, they're not... You know, how many have seen the little, it almost looks like that Greek with the arrow, Cupid thing? That has absolutely no basis in Scripture. I mean, it's ridiculous. These, these cherubim are not some little baby with wings, okay? These, these creatures are, are huge, they're very big, and they're very powerful, and they're very odd-looking. They're not what you would think would look like a typical person. As a matter of fact... Not only do they have wings, but they also are, are very, very large, and they have four faces, so on the front and then two sides in the back, which is completely different than anything we're used to seeing. But one of their faces, each one of them have four faces, okay? One of their faces is have an ox, then a lion, then an eagle, then a man. And you see there... The ox and the lion are mammals, and then you see the eagle, the birds of the air, then you see a man. That's interesting, isn't it? But what you don't see is you don't see anything reptilian. So it's conspicuously absent from this. And I, and I wondered about that because, you know, this is just speculation. We don't know for sure. But last week I talked about how the earth is very ancient. There seemed to have been something on it before Adam, okay? And it seemed to have had some kind of a destruction, a judgment, Probably connected with Lucifer's fall because Jesus said, I saw him thrown to the earth like lightning. So that most likely that something was there and it was destroyed. 
And why God chose the earth, I'll never know. But he threw down this, this being to the earth who is a cherub. And one of the ways Satan is manifested is by the ox, the bull. Okay, that's one of the you know, manifestations of Lucifer is the bull. And the Bible says he goes around like a roaring lion. Remember that? And, of course, in many ways, he seems to carry some kind of a false light. One of the things that's really interesting, he appears as an angel of light. But a lot of people don't understand this, so I'm going to share this briefly and get off of it. But the Bible says the gift and calling is without repentance. And so that, that's one of the reasons why, like, for example, you know, there's thousands and thousands, tens of thousands of ministers, and the overwhelming majority have really kept their integrity and all that. But every once in a while, there'll be somebody that, that gets off spiritually, and they get off into some error or some sin, and they really blow it. But even in that, it's interesting that you could see, and I know stories about this I'm not going to get into, but where somebody was still powerfully used of God, even though they themselves were not even right with God, and it would come out later, they got exposed. Now, how is that possible? Because the gifting callings without repentance. So they still had the gifting in their life that they were operating in, even though they weren't right. So that's why we all need to be careful that we have discernment. Because you can look at charismatic personalities and things not be right. There can be another spirit at work there, and you must have discernment. And so with Lucifer, the Bible says about this guy that he's going to appear as an angel of light. But yet, he is obviously Satan. He is the god of darkness. Has anybody really thought about that? He is the god of darkness, yet he has the ability to appear as an angel of light. See, there's things that God gave him in heaven as a, a I believe, like a priest. And he would lead worship and minister before the Lord. And there was some type of a light in that, a glory, if you will. And, and he had tabrets and pipes. He had something music in him. And, and those things have never really went away. And so even though he's in a fallen condition and he's extremely evil, he still has abilities. That's why he seems to carry some type of a power in music. How many can say that they've kind of seen that since they've been a Christian? It's like the devil has some type of an influence in music that seems to be noticeable. He really seems to have a power in that entertainment industry, especially in the music. And even in the dark arts with the occult, uh, the, the realm of incantations with the drum beats and things that are rhythmic. Satan really seems to have some real power in that area when you bring music together with the dark arts. It seems to be very bewitching, and there seems to be a great power in that. So I just wanted to touch on that because I thought about this. I'm just going to give you some, some things to think about. But why did Satan choose the serpent has anybody ever thought about that of all the different creatures he entered into the serpent to talk to eve is it okay last week i wondered about things this week i'm just going to share things i've wondered about you know why didn't he enter something like a lion which seems to be larger more powerful maybe more beautiful i don't know but he entered a snake now mind you that before the fall the snake 
obviously being quite long but still had arms and legs and still crawled or maybe even stood upright as far as we know. It didn't start slithering on its belly until God cursed it to do so. And you can still see in an anaconda, which is a huge snake, they still have little nubs where they used to have legs. And, of course, science has got to always try to explain everything away and say that's evolution or something. But I'll tell you what happened. God said, on your belly, you're going to crawl, and his little legs, you know, shrunk and disappeared. It's what happened. So Satan chose this, and I wondered about it because just studying this for a long time, and I, I personally believe, it's just my opinion, that there was a pre-Adam world that was destroyed. And I, th I think that's where all these dinosaurs and things were at that time. And they, somehow they were destroyed in Lucifer's fall. And they were a part of something uh, that was before mankind. Now, interesting, though, that they seem to be overwhelmingly reptilian. Isn't that interesting? So all of the dinosaur bones, every, you know, they pretty much the overwhelming majority of them, for the most part, seem to be very reptile-based. And it's connected to something that, in my opinion, I suspect was around and, and living and breathing, moving around on the earth during the time that Lucifer was a priest. And so there was something on the earth. It makes you wonder what was here back then, doesn't it? Because when God for whatever reason, put Adam in the garden. Why did God choose the earth of all places? I mean, this was where he threw Satan and a third of the angels. And by all accounts, the Hebrew says the earth became formless and void. By all accounts, it seems it was flooded and destroyed and he threw Lucifer here. Why didn't he just leave the earth like a penal colony and go somewhere else and, and create man and put him there and put a separation between us and, and Satan and his fallen angels. But God didn't want to do that. He had a plan. He's had a plan from before the foundations of the earth. The Bible says this scripture, Christ was crucified before the foundations of the earth. That means that God had a plan from the very beginning. When was the beginning? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. I mean, this could be so ancient. You wonder, how, how long ago really was that? The God who is eternal, that has no beginning and no end, how long ago was that? And in that, how old is Lucifer? How long was he around? How long was he functioning as, in my opinion, like a priest in heaven before he even fell? How ancient is this battleground that's going on today? Could it be that in God's great plan from the very beginning, and when I say the beginning, I'm not talking about Adam. I'm talking about the beginning way before Adam. God's plan that he knew from the beginning that he would create angels and some of them would rebel. He would create man and some of them would rebel. And he was going to have a plan of redemption. And at the very end, he would have a group of people that were his. He's had some kind of a master plan. And from the time Adam's, Adam fell until now has only been 6,000 years. The earth's a lot older than that. Six is the number of sinful man. And then Adam was created on the sixth day. And then on the seventh, the seventh thousandth year, Christ is going to reign on the earth for a thousand years. That's going to be the seventh thousandth. It's going to be a Sabbath rest under Christ. And then God is going to come back 
in the new heaven, new earth, new Jerusalem, and dwell on the earth. So not only right now we have the Holy Spirit here with us, then Jesus is going to come on the earth. You know, Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. Why do they keep wanting to come here? They're in a good place. Jesus is going to have to come here again, reign it for a thousand years, and deal with their base problems for a thousand years. And then at the end of the thousand years, there's going to be another rebellion. And it says as many as the sand of the seashore are going to try to descend on Jesus. And, of course, fire is going to come down and fry him. But he's going to have to come back to the earth again. And then he's going to remain. The earth is going to be purged. And then the Father is going to come down in the new Jerusalem and remain forever. So there's been this plan, and it, it has to do with this earth. And it makes you wonder what was here, even in ancient times with Lucifer, that under his time of his ministry, whatever it was, he was anointed to do, that, and it was destroyed on the earth anyway. It makes you wonder what was here. Was there maybe some type of a temple here that God was worshipped from? I don't know. But ever since Satan has fallen, he's been trying to build things unto himself on the earth for his worship. And that's been a problem that goes all the way back to the Tower of Babel and even before that, before the flood. So another quick point before I get into that, do you remember the religion of Cain versus Abel? We talked about it in the Babylon church, the Harlot church rather, that series I did. Cain and Abel, the next generation. Abel, when Adam fell, God showed him that there would have to be, the, the blood would have to be shed for the remission of sin. And he gave Adam the gospel. He told him there would come a day that you would, that the seed of the woman, through the woman, salvation would come through the womb of a woman. It won't be like an angel that comes down. No, it's going to be salvation will come through a woman, which of course end up being Jesus Christ, born of a virgin. But he said that that seed of the woman, even though you strike his heel, he's going to crush your head. And so God gave Adam the gospel. And I would imagine Adam probably had a pretty good understanding more than what you would think of what was going to come. But he showed Adam that there had to be at that time a priesthood. And he gave him, they had to be animals that had to die for the sin. And this probably broke Adam and Eve's heart because no animals had died up to that point. And then God clothed them in those skins. And so Adam had to now institute a priesthood that was in the order of Melchizedek where animals had to be offered for the sin of the people. And then that went from an, a priesthood that we know about a little bit about into Aaron's priesthood that we know a lot about. And that was where Aaron was the high priest and his sons, people would bring their offerings to the temple the blood of animals had to be shed for sin. But then when Jesus came, he fulfilled everything. His death, his blood was shed. And now there's no longer any animals that have to die for sin. Jesus was the sacrifice once for all. But he was our great high priest. But Cain and Abel, Cain, Abel, let me start with Abel. Abel understood the gospel from Adam and understood that animals had to be offered for the remission of sin. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. And so Abel understood that, and so he brought 
animals from the flock and he would offer them unto God and they were accepted because that's what God said it's supposed to be like. But Cain was rebellious and Cain didn't want to do it that way. How many knows there's some people out there that want religion on their terms? They want a God that on their terms and they want to make the rules and they want to do it their way and they still want to be accepted and it's not going to work. So Cain tried to bring just fruits and vegetables or whatever and offer that instead. But God didn't accept that because without the shedding of blood, there was no forgiveness of sins. And so Cain got angry and instead of repenting and changing his ways, he turned against Abel and killed him. And so I shared in Babylon the Harlot Church series how from that time until Jesus comes, there has been this increase of this through the generations where there's Cain's religion, if you will. It manifests in all different ways, whether it be Islam or whatever, that people have been trying to have religion without doing it God's way. And the religious community has always hated the true people of God. And how, how many knows that that was the most evident in the days of Jesus Christ? Because the Pharisees and the Sadducees had a religion, but they ended up hating Jesus so much they murdered him. It was the same exact spirit of Cain and Abel. And so in the very end, you're going to see, like spiritually speaking, the descendants of Cain, if you will, like the seed of the serpent, you're going to see a group of people that are religious. And they're going to be a part of that one world religion, but they're going to hate God's true remnant people and want to kill them. And Cain's religion will produce murderers, but Abel was the one who had faith. He was offering an animal looking for the Son of God to come one day. He was looking for the Messiah. Every time he offered an animal, it was in faith of the one to come. And all through the ages, you saw all those people in the priesthood before Aaron. Then you saw it through the law of Moses all the way up till Jesus. Every time they offered up animals, they did so knowing that there would be one who would to come one day. And they, they were looking for him with faith, okay? And now that Jesus has come, we look back at the cross, but we've been a people from the beginning till now that's had faith in the blood. And we've had, we're a people that are God's uh, true people of blood covenant. And those that are just religious out there will always be jealous of and hate God's true people. Does this make sense? All right. So a couple more quick things um, before I leave that subject. Just know that that's Mystery Babylon. We're going somewhere tonight, and it's all going to tie together in the end. Mystery Babylon is a religious system apart from God. It's going to be very occult and very satanic, but it will be a merging of all religions under the false prophets, and it will be like Cain's religion that will turn on and hate God's true people and want to murder them. But yet God will have a remnant in the earth that are his true people, a people that have faith. See, Cain's religion is based on works, but God's true people understand that it's based on what Jesus did on the cross. Now, here's another quick mystery before we get into Nimrod, where I'm going with this. 
and that is the seventh generation from Adam. When Adam fell, you ought to look at the genealogy because Adam lived all the way. I mean, the, the first person that had no way of actually knowing Adam was Noah. Even Noah's father could have gone to Adam. Adam would have been extremely old, but could have gone to him. He was still alive. These guys lived a long time back then, you know. But when you look at that, you go down the generations. There was the seventh generation. In that seventh generation, you see two things. This is interesting. Cain, you can follow his bloodline all the way to the sixth generation. Again, six is the number of sinful man. And then there's nothing said about Cain in the seventh generation. Isn't that interesting? That's kind of weird. But then when you look at the righteous, you look at Seth, who was God's replacement for Abel. You can follow Seth all the way down to the seventh generation, and it's Enoch. You know what the message there is? The seventh generation is, is prophetic of the end times because there's going to be a remnant group of people like Enoch that are going to walk with God and know their God, and God's going to catch them away in the rapture. But then there's going to be this mysterious Cain-like emerging. Uh, see, nobody knows who the Antichrist is until he's revealed. So the, the mystery behind who was the seventh from Cain prophetically speaks of the mystery of who's the Antichrist that's going to emerge and be responsible for the murder of God's true people. Isn't that interesting? There's a lot of little mysteries like that in the Word. Now, I want to get to where I was going because this is going to be really important. Two things in Mystery Babylon I want to talk about. I want to talk about Nimrod and the Tower of Babel, and then I want to talk about the Catholic Church and answer some questions you might have had. But we talked about last week that there was all these Nephilim on the earth and God had to flood it and start over with Noah. So I'm not going to go back into that. But how many have read about Nimrod and the Tower of Babel? At least read about that some? Well, the Bible doesn't say a whole lot about Nimrod, but there are some extra biblical writings that talk more about him. But Nimrod was an, basically a picture and type of the Antichrist to come. He was the first one world ruler. And what happened was that when Noah, his sons began to populate the earth, they all were centered there in what we know as the Middle East. And so there wasn't really, you know, they were consolidated in that one place. And that was ancient Sumer. So if you've read about, you understand the Sumerians, you know what I'm talking about. It was that area. And that's kind of where they, they were pretty much were concentrated. And Nimrod basically became their leader, their ruler, which I'm going to explain that in a moment because that's really weird in and of itself, some things the Bible says there. But Nimrod, some people came to him and they, they decided they were going to build this Tower of Babel. And what Nimrod did was he built a glorious city unto himself in Sumer called Shinar. It's important you remember Shinar. How many have read in the Bible and you saw that Shinar and you wonder maybe what that was? 
Shinar is an ancient name. Shinar is an ancient name for Babylon. And so you're going to see it in the scriptures, S-H-I-N-A-R. And so Nimrod built Shinar. It was a beautiful city. And then they began to build the Tower of Babel in Shinar. And you have to wonder what the motive was. We know that it was something of great rebellion because God had a real problem with it. And God came down and dispersed the people. And extra-biblical writing says that God sent a violent wind that just destroyed the thing, just knocked it down. But God had a problem with it. And so you wonder, was the motive such some have said different bible scholars have said that it seemed like maybe they were trying to build something to the heavens because they were defying god and they wanted to go kind of to war against god and 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 fight against him or something others have speculated that it was um an attempt to say well god destroyed the earth with a flood so we're going to build something that will go so high up that even if he tries it again it won't be able to destroy us we can get above it, you know, which, of course, is ridiculous because when you get that high up, the, the air thins out, you know. But whatever the motive is, I suspect something else, and I'll just tell you my opinion. I think that those things were involved in it. I think it was a rebellion, but I think there was something even more nefarious. So Nimrod was, the Bible says about him that he became a mighty one. Now, I'm, I'm sharing all this because of Mystery Babylon, and I'm going to talk a little bit about DNA, okay? This is really interesting. I shared this with some earlier. All right, so Nimrod became a mighty one. In Hebrew, the word is gibor, and it's in, translated into English directly, like transliterated, it would be G-I-B-B-O-R, gibor. But Nimrod became a gibor, and gibor in Hebrew is the same word that's used for the Nephilim. So it's a word that can mean giant, but it definitely was the word that was used for the Nephilim. So that's really strange that the Bible says he became that. Now, some say, well, maybe he just became strong like a fierce warrior and all that. Well, maybe so. But let me just give you some things to think about. Is it okay again that I get into some weird stuff and just start wondering about some things with you? Okay. But down through the ages, let's just look, for example, at Hitler. There was a, here was a guy that kind of came out of obscurity, but he was deeply involved in the occult to the degree that the Nazi party even had people that were, uh, you know, Heimler and others that were deeply involved in it, okay? And they had a, a castle, if I remember right, Nuremberg Castle in Germany, and they had a basement area where dark, satanic, ritualistic activity was going on. And Hitler understood that he was in pursuit of some type of ancient power he wanted to tap into to gain kind of control of the world or to have some type of, he wanted some type of empowerment that would help him conquer the world and rise to power. 
He was looking for that. And it wasn't a hidden thing. And this isn't some conspiracy theory. He was pretty open with, to it. So I'll give you an example. <clears throat> In one case, there was this spear. It's a relic, okay? It's nothing to it. It's just a relic. But it was believed to be the spear that, that pierced Jesus' side. And so it was supposed to have some type of a power about this spear that whoever had it could rule the world. And supposedly, some great world rulers have actually had the spear. And so Hitler, in his occult pursuits to become superhuman powerful, wanted that spear. And so whenever, <clears throat> whenever he conquered Austria with the Nazi military... That spear was in a museum that was in Austria, and he made sure that they went in there and got the spear and brought it to him. He was trying to tap into some kind of a power. And this is what I'm telling you is just a historic fact. I think a lot of people actually know these things. The guy went so far as, do you remember in the Bible it said about where Satan's throne is in Revelation 2 and 3? There was a specific church, a, a region, that God referenced that Satan's throne was there. And those that's gone back and researched that have found that there was actually a throne there in a place where they worshiped Zeus. So Hitler has his guys go there and retrieve that throne and bring it to Germany. He was trying to tap into some type of a, an occult, supernatural power that would empower him to do things that he was not able to do on his own. All right. Now, with that said, I suspect that Nimrod was doing the same thing. It's just my opinion. And I know that some of this will sound pretty crazy at first, but there's some, some information I'll give you that's just facts, and you can go look it up for yourself, and you'll see that I'm telling you that it's true, and you'll find out it's true for yourself. But let's start with Nimrod first. Now, Nimrod became some type of a Gibor. He became something that he wasn't, whatever that is, and it caused him to become like a mighty hunter and like a fierce warrior and someone that was feared. And he began to rule over everybody that was alive at that time. He was a dictator and he was a one world ruler that consolidated all the sons of Noah, all the descendants of Noah under his rulership, okay? In fact, extra biblical writings said that he even attempted to kill Abraham because he knew from his wise men, his occultists, his sorcerers, he knew that Abraham was someone special, and he didn't want any threat to his rule. So he tried to kill Abraham. But he was an evil man. And so I wonder, let me just give you something I've wondered about. So here Satan is. He's been thrown to the earth. He tried his best, and I'm, I'm, not, I'm just dovetailing off of last week. He tried his best to pollute the human DNA with the Nephilim and did everything he possibly could to try to stop the coming of this Messiah. And God intervened, flooded the earth, started over with Noah. Now Satan's having to look at this situation, and he ends up, Satan ends up raising up Nimrod to be kind of his emissary. 
and Nimrod builds him a great city, begins to build this tower, and Satan is consolidated there. This is right in the Middle East, okay? And Satan, I believe this is what Nimrod was doing. I believe personally that Nimrod knew about the flood, and he knew that there had been fallen angels that had come down to Mount Hermon in the days of Jared, and that they had taken wives and they had they'd entered into this really dark, spiritually dark time that we know is the Nephilim before the flood. I think that Nimrod was trying to build some, some type of a tower like a ziggurat. I think personally Nimrod might have participated in some type of occult, powerful, evil rituals that caused him to get possessed by spirits that he became something that he wasn't before. And he was trying to build a structure to welcome again, mind you, fallen angels again to come down. And he was trying to reintroduce what God had just destroyed. And he was trying to reinstitute it again and also get that knowledge that was given by those fallen angels, Mystery Babylon, and reintroduce that knowledge again to the earth and so god saw it had a problem with it and said if i don't step in they're going to be able to start this process again what they have unified to do if i don't step in they're going to end up doing this again they're going to welcome fallen angels they're going to start this thing all over so god steps down and confuses their speech and scatters them and then extra biblical writing says he destroys the tower does this make sense as at least a possibility? And Nimrod seemed to be like Satan's little antichrist, if you will, like his little Messiah. And did you know to this day, this is so weird once you see all of this, to this day, Nimrod still has a lot of influence and you probably didn't realize it. What Nimrod introduced basically back to the human race because Noah was trying to teach them about God Noah had these Noahide laws that, that are talked about where you don't worship idols and there was this one true God and different things like that. But Noah was trying to be a preacher of righteousness and teach them righteousness. But Nimrod raises up and he begins to lead them into spiritual darkness. And I believe this is true. Extra biblical writings teach this, but I believe it's true. He began to introduce a great idolatry and occult practices back. And he was trying to bring all that back. Now, here's the interesting thing. When Nimrod eventually died, his wife, Semiramis, was pregnant with his son. Guess what his son's name was? Tammuz. Isn't it interesting that Israel even has a month called Tammuz named after this? Did you know in the Bible that God was angered? Because in the Bible, it says that there were people in Israel weeping for Tammuz. And it says that. That goes back to Nimrod. I'm going to show you something you might not have known, but it's important. Nimrod was introducing the occult. He had this wife that was pregnant with Tammuz, his son. And when Nimrod died, she began to tell people, I'm pregnant actually with Nimrod. And when, when he's born again, it's going to be like reincarnation. He's going to be Nimrod again. He's just rebirthed. Now, isn't it an interesting thing to consider 
that Jesus Christ was going to be born of a woman. And this was like a counterfeit, like some type of a perversion of that. And from that time, you begin to have this strange thing with a male deity and a female deity and some type of a child, like a mystery Babylon. Think about it for a moment. I could give a lot of examples, but what about Isis and Osiris? What about in the Bible you're familiar with Baal and Asherah? And Satan was trying to use Nimrod to bring some type of a confusion, some type of a deception, muddy the waters, if you will, a counterfeit male-female Christ type of thing, a counterfeit gospel. And to this day, this is the influence that Nimrod had, that same type of strange mystery Babylon, occult knowledge, that occult teaching found its way down from him. Now, he was a descendant of Ham. He was a descendant of Ham, and then Ham had Canaan, and then Nimrod. So that was his bloodline, right? It ended up that, that that strange teaching wormed its way into Egypt. And this is where you get a lot of these strange occult beliefs like Isis and Osiris and all of that. Are y'all hearing me? Look this way. Give me your best ears. This is where you get a lot of this strange stuff that goes back to Nimrod was birthed there with Nimrod, but it finds its way into Egyptology. Now, why is that interesting? Because to this day, right now, in Freemasonry across the world, they still have this Isis-Osiris weird thing that's interwoven into Freemasonry right now. Nimrod still has influence today. And eventually, it's going to be mixed into the Antichrist and the false prophet. Yeah, it's this strange thing. I don't, I don't want to get too much into it because it's, it's, uh, we're all adults here, but Isis and Osiris were siblings, but they also were married. And an evil brother cut up Osiris. And she had to go and put him back together, but the only thing missing was the phallic symbol, and she had to create a fake one. But it was the worship of the phallus. And you still see that in a strange way, if y'all could catch this, in Washington, D.C. and in the Vatican, both. You see that there's this dome, and then you see in our, in our nation, you see the phallic symbol. And you see the same thing in the Vatican. They have the dome, which is like the female, and then you have the phallic symbol. That goes back to Nimrod and his occult uh, beliefs that he brought in. So I'm saying all that to say this. These are just things I've wondered about, I find interesting. And really, I'm going to start moving this toward a close. But I want to talk about the Catholic Church. Now, I need to say this up front because I really love Catholic people. This isn't about people. This is about an institutionalized cult. Okay, it's two different, completely different things. Now, you know, if there's some Catholic people come in here to worship, why we love them. They're going to hear the truth here, though, you know. But we love them, and I have no problem with Catholic people whatsoever. 
But I'm talking about Roman Catholicism. I'm talking about the Vatican. Now, Satan raised up. I mean, we all know this because I've taught this here, that Satan did his best to stomp out Christianity for from Nero to Diocletian, ten emperors. I mean, they threw him to lions. They burned him alive. They, they stormed into people's homes. They murdered Christians for ten emperors. Satan couldn't stop it. It seemed like every time he killed one, three more would pop up. And so finally, Satan decided to change his strategy, and he created Roman Catholicism. Constantine comes to power, and he said, if, if this God of the Christians is real... He saw some vision he says he saw in the sky of a cross. He painted it on their shields when he won. Then he wanted to legalize Christianity that had been persecuted. And so he took over Christianity, and he made it this Roman Catholic thing. He perverted it grossly. In fact, true biblical Christianity kind of went underground and into hiding but Roman Catholicism, a perversion, a counterfeit, began to emerge to great powers. As a matter of fact, it led into the Dark Ages, but it became the world's superpower. There was a time that Roman Catholicism was so powerful and so influential all over the world that the kings of the earth were terrified of it because if the Pope and the Vatican said that they were a heretic, they would be killed on the spot. They were the supreme power. And we know about the Crusades, and on and on we could go with all the problems. And then, of course, Martin Luther ended up getting tired of them, and he saw people worshiping all these relics, like I was talking about earlier with Hitler with the spear. They were all caught up in relics, and whenever, whenever finally the, the indulgences came where they said they were trying to raise money to build their cathedrals, so they told people, if you give us money, then we can pray your heathen family that are in purgatory, we can pray them back out of it and put them into heaven for you. In fact, if you give us money in advance, then you can go out and sin all you want because you've already paid for it and we'll absolve you of your sin. And so Martin Luther got enraged at that and God gave him the true gospel. The his simple revelation is by faith in Christ alone that you're saved. It's not a works, it's faith in him. And so Martin Luther led the great reformation, okay? But during all those years, and even to this day, that Roman Catholicism had so much power and worldwide influence. I'm talking about Mystery Babylon, okay? So what happened at the tower? Nimrod was bringing back all that occult knowledge, all of that Mystery Babylon, all that evil. God came, and what did he do? He dispersed it out. And all over the world, that, that knowledge spread. Is this making sense tonight? Different people had different revelation, different understanding. When Roman Catholicism had come to power, one of the things they would do is they would go into an area and they would conquer it with military force and they would take over their holy sites of whatever it was. They would confiscate all of their knowledge and all of their relics and they would level that and they would build something on top of it but they took all of that knowledge. I'm going to submit to you something. This is just my opinion. But I think what Nimrod, God scattered out, I think Roman Catholicism has been regathering Mystery Babylon's knowledge and have consolidated back in one place again in the Vatican. And I know some very credible people 
that I respect what they say. One of them, his family is extremely high up in some things. But they've told me that in the Vatican, in the vaults, they have some of the most ancient and powerful writings that can be found nowhere else in the world that are occult writings and very powerful, dangerous stuff. Now, this is just my opinion. I think some people that listen to our ministry would probably agree with this, and some may not, and that's fine. But just like Nimrod became a Gabor, he did something. He did some type of a ritual or something, in my opinion, that changed him. How much did it change him? Did it affect his DNA? Did it, how much did it affect him? I'm sure it possessed him with spirits. But the Bible says in Revelation chapter 13 that the false prophet, not the Antichrist, the false prophet, that there's going to be some type of a beast that comes up out of the earth and that's the false prophet. He's going to be able to perform great signs and wonders. He's going to become a Gibor. He's going to become some kind of mighty one that the entire world is looking at. He's able to call down fire in full view of men, I'm, I would assume on television, mind you. I wonder if some of that mystery Babylon knowledge has been gathered into the Vatican. And I wonder if somebody like a pope in my opinion, it will be a pope. That's the false prophet. May not be, but I suspect it. Will have access to some type of ritualistic stuff that he's going to do that's going to summon some kind of an ancient powerful spirit up out of the earth that's going to possess him. And he's going to be so powerful. He's going to become a mighty one that he's going to be able to do signs and wonders and have a power about him he never had before. It's awfully quiet. But either way, if that's what it looks like or not, that's just my opinion, and I could be wrong, and there's a lot of people that may not agree with that. But I think that it will be something like that. And the Antichrist is going to be given Satan's throne. It's two different things. The false prophet is going to have something that is conjured up and possesses him, but the Antichrist will be given the throne of Lucifer. And the Bible says that Adam gave Lucifer his authority. And basically what Lucifer is going to do, he offered it to Jesus. But Jesus said, I will only worship the Lord God. I'll never bow down to you. Remember that? But the Antichrist will bow down to him and he will give him his throne. So he's going to have kind of an authority over the nations. But I wonder what has been consolidated there in Rome, in the Vatican, down through the ages. Roman Catholicism is probably the only religion, it's a cult, it's a counterfeit Christianity. It looks like the lamb, but it speaks like the dragon. It's vestige, just like you read about in Revelation 17, a golden cup. And outward garments that look religious, look beautiful. But it's like a whitewashed tomb full of dead men's bones. Roman Catholicism has been very involved in globalization. In fact, popes have spoken at the United Nations. And they've traveled to parts of the world. And they're very, very much in favor of 
globalization as a way of solving problems. I personally suspect the Antichrist as a politician will want to give over to the false prophet, the, the Pope, if you will, give him certain types of power and influence because people will trust this guy because he seems so benevolent. Who else could be in charge of the one world currency that you can't buy or sell without his approval because they will view him as somebody that's very benevolent and has everybody's best interest at heart and to how else to do away with world hunger but to give it to somebody like that. Is this making sense? The Antichrist, I mean the false prophet, the Pope, the Vatican has also been very involved in the unification of religions since at least the 80s. I actually have a VHS tape of the Pope, and it was made by the Catholic Church. So it wasn't something that was out there to expose him like from a negative point of view. It was presented from the Catholic perspective as a positive thing. But in this video, as you watch it, it's only about 30 minutes but he goes literally all over the world. And it was in the 80s, so it was Pope John Paul II. He's going all over the world, and he's trying to bring the religions together. And he's sitting with them. He's shaking hands. He's participating in the things, the rituals that they're doing, and they're honoring him, but it's a unification of religions. And let me close with this. I'm hoping I'm not losing anybody tonight. Is anybody finding this at least interesting? The Vatican is probably the only institution that's going to have the ability to bring together the three, what's called, it's called this, I'm not saying I agree with it, but the three Abrahamic religions of Judaism, Islam, and a counterfeit form of Christianity. But it's the, he's the only one that's going to be able to do it. And he has found the popes, popes plural, have found common ground. Because in this weird belief, which I've shared with you guys, Islam believes that Muhammad's going to marry, in, whenever he gets into paradise, is actually going to have Mary as a wife, which is just weird. And then they also, one of uh, Muhammad's kids, one of his daughters was named Fatima. And that's where there was a Marian apparition that happened there. <clears throat> And so the Pope has used some of these things this, to bring together Islam and Roman Catholicism. And of course, uh, Roman Catholicism has also been working with Jewish leaders to try to bring some type of a unity. I wonder if it won't look something like this. What if the Antichrist's mother is Jewish and so he's considered a Jew? But maybe he'll claim his father is a Muslim. And maybe also he'll claim himself to be a Christian. I'm just speculating, but he would find a way to unify the religions and unify politically. There's something there. And I'll give you one more thing about DNA, and then, then we'll pray. But I believe there's something that's now going to start be targeting that. Uh, let me say that the right way. I believe something is beginning to target, possibly target, there's just a possibility, DNA in the future. Just like, for example, we all knew that's known the Bible that years ago 
when things started going more and more cashless and it moved toward bank cards, we started seeing things moving toward the mark of the beast eventually. But technology was being introduced through bank cards, etc., in a way of transferring money through wires. It was being, technology was being introduced that would eventually lead to a one world currency. And those of us that know the Bible could see that. In the same way, I think that technology is starting to be introduced that's going to try to start messing with human DNA. As I talked about last week, Satan has really targeted that through the Nephilim, remember? <clears throat> Did you know that there is a, is anybody, we got someone here from Ohio, right? Some people. Did you know in Ohio right now, there's an ancient structure that the Native Americans there say, we did not build this. They're real emphatic about it. It was here when we got here. We didn't do this. And it's this huge structure. I mean, you can only really appreciate it from the sky because it's so big. It has to go back to the Nephilim if the natives didn't build it. But you know what it is? It's a giant. And when I say giant, look it up. It's called the Serpent Mound. It's a giant built into the ground, okay, built up dirt, serpent, ungulating, and at the head of the serpent, there's what looks like an egg and that it's trying to swallow the egg. That reminds me of what God told Satan in the garden. The seed of the woman would crush your head. But he's been trying to do away with that seed. And one of the attempts to do away with it is to pollute and attack human DNA. And he's done that in the past. Now Jesus already came, but Jesus also said, as it was in the days of Noah, it will be at my coming. And I'm wondering if they're not going to try to mess with human DNA. So let me just give you a couple quick things. Is it okay I talk about this before we get off of it? I know I'm going a few minutes. But how many have seen, at least in the movies or something, you've seen what the spiral, the, the DNA strands? Did you know when Jacob's ladder, when he was looking in the sky and saw angels coming up and down, did you know it was a spiral ladder in the Hebrew? It looked like a DNA strand. But the DNA, let me just read a couple things quickly because I'm saying this for a reason. This is really interesting. The DNA molecule is the building block for who you are. If you took all of your DNA and kind of laid it out in one line, you're so packed full of it, consolidated, packed into you so much, it actually would go like, and this is a conservative estimate, to the sun and back. There's so much in you. It's where we get the word genes. It's what makes up your genes. We all know this from basic biology in school. How many remember studying you get 23 chromosomes from one parent, 23 from the other? That's what makes you up, who you are. It's your genes. It's your chromosomes. So your DNA just simply stands for uh, deoxyribose, if I'm saying it right, nuclei acid, DNA. But it's the coded portion of you. Just like, for example... You have to code a computer in the same way you've been encoded with this DNA. 
There's four small bases and no exceptions for this. It's true for all life, including bacteria. And that's why they think we came from bacteria, because the DNA of bacteria is so similar to our DNA. But the basis, the purines, are the adenine and guanine, however you say these. I'm not a scientist. But that's represented, if you've ever looked at it, the A and the G, okay? And then there's the pyramide, cytosine. This is uh, timing. This is the uh, letter C and T. So some of you at least have seen this. You've seen the double helix, and you've seen the A, G, the C, and the T. And again, I'm not a scientist. So I'm probably not saying any of this correctly. But it's not going to really matter because the information is the same I'm giving you. But it's built up of tiny carbon and nitrogen, nitrogen atoms. One strand of DNA exists, and then enzymes can be introduced to help it replicate. But here's the interesting thing, and I wanted to get to this because of some of the, in, the vaccines that we've been dealing with. 67%. So I'm looking at this pie chart. I can't show you, but I'm looking at this. And somebody had put this together that knows what they're talking about. And in the pie chart, 67% of your DNA in you. And nobody disputes this. Secular science doesn't dispute this because it's just fact. 67% of your DNA is considered viral because it's like junk DNA. And I assure you, God did not create us that way. That's a result of the fall of man. You and I both know when God made Adam that he was perfect and his, his DNA would have been pure, pristine, perfect. He wasn't made to age and he wasn't made to die. But it's the DNA in people that, it's a curse that God put that causes, uh, to, it's broken down over time and it causes you to age and ultimately die. But it's in the DNA that that takes place. Then 30% on top of that, is considered introns, pseudogenes, and it's basically just fillers. This is what surprised me when I saw this guy who's got a medical degree and been studying this for 30 years as a Christian talk about it. What shocked me was only 3%, everybody say 3, 3% of your DNA is actually what makes you what you are. 1% is called the exons, and the 2% is called the RNA. And that's the part that enzymes are introduced to and it replicates is the RNA. But only 3%. You and I both know from a biblical worldview that God did not create us that way. For 3% of your DNA to actually be what makes you who you are, and, and that's the part, the RNA is what replicates. Now, this is what has concerned me. Because I look at this, and for a long period of time, we have had vaccines that were basically like a dead form of a pathogen that was injected into somebody like polio. And it would go in, and your body would build up an immunity, and that makes sense. Why all of a sudden... Is there this global pandemic that gets everybody in a panic? And they try to introduce something that has never been introduced before. And you need to look this up for yourself because I want you to not just take my word for it. I want you to look this up. Why would they introduce a vaccine which is entirely different than anything that's ever been before? 
And what's it called? mRNA. It's supposed to affect the RNA part. Now let's go back to this. 67% and then 30%. Now there's only 3% that's functioning. Two of that is your RNA. That's the part of your DNA that replicates. And that's just a fact. Why are they introducing a science that is supposed, the RNA vaccines are supposed to go into your body and tell your cells what to do? Why would they do away with something that's been working for decades? Is everybody following me? Has anybody else had this question? I mean, I think that this is a legitimate question that we should be asking. Why are they changing it? And why did they use a pandemic when everybody's freaked out to change it, and, which would cause maybe more people to take it that normally wouldn't? But why would all of a sudden they break that out? Why change what has worked for so long? Because you look at things like polio, etc., it was pretty much eradicated by a normal vaccine. Why would they introduce something now called the mRNA that's supposed to alter something, your chromosomes in there, and change the nuclei? And that's, again, let me say this again. That's the part of you that replicates it. So if it alters something, it's going to replicate what's altered. I'm not saying that it's anything like a mark of the beast because I don't believe it is. But I think just like bank cards and wire transfers when they began was a move in a certain direction, I think science is introducing something now that's going to get worse and it's going to start trying to mess with people's DNA eventually. If it isn't already, I don't know if it is or not. I'm not a scientist. But this is something that I've studied out from very credible sources. The guy that's been researching uh, DNA for like 30 years, brilliant scientist. He's a Christian. He's got a medical degree. And he was explaining all of this. It was very interesting to listen to him. But my question is, and I believe this is an intelligent question, why introduce this type of vaccine when what we had before worked just fine? What are they trying to accomplish? And here's what concerns me. Again, this is facts where we have evidence of this. Some of these global elite mossy money people, they've already made it clear in public, even in what those Georgia stones that collapsed, y'all remember that? They've even made it clear in public that they think the world's population needs to decrease radically. Was it 8 billion now? It's something like it used to be 7, it's like 8 billion. They're wanting to get it down to like 500 million. They're wanting to lower it dramatically because they're concerned that the world is not going to be able to sustain life as we know it. So when you got these type of people with the money and they're making the decisions and they're bring, and this type of stuff is being introduced and you know that their motive is to decrease the world's population. This is concerning because I looked at this. I just stepped back and I just watched all of it. I didn't say a whole lot publicly other than I wasn't going to get the vaccine. But I didn't go into all this back then, really. I was just watching. And then I watched as all of a sudden all these people started getting sick and dying from the vaccine. I started watching how people were getting blood clots that, killed, that stopped their heart. 
I was watching how even secular science had to admit that it was sterilizing people where they couldn't have kids. And this is just a fact. The old vaccines didn't do that. And let me say one more thing. See, big pharma, and I'm not talking about low, real low-level, you go to a local hospital or whatever, this is the lowest level. You got kind of boots on the ground, if you will, there. You got doctors and nurses. Some of them are really nice people. I'm not talking about them. Big pharma, and there's some people who may not like this, may not like me talking about this, but big pharma pays the bills. You know the old saying, follow the money, honey? You know, the thing is that the Bible says the root of all, uh, the root of all evil is the love of money. You're not dealing with big pharma. You're not dealing with people there that are in a room with somebody that's sick and dying, holding their hand, trying to help them. You're not dealing with that. You're dealing with people in suits in a room somewhere looking at the bottom dollar. And they're not getting rich off you being healthy. They're getting rich off you being sick. And they're also getting rich off you being on their drugs the rest of your life. And that's just the truth. And I know there was some nurses that came out that were angry because they were saying, we've got these little bitty, little bitty kids, infants that are in the NICU, you know, intensive care for little infants because... They're, they're telling these nurses as soon as you can, I mean, as little as possible, as soon as you can, give them those injections, get all these vaccines in them. And this one nurse was saying she was upset because she saw little bitty babies getting two shots in each arm and two shots in each thigh. That's eight shots at a time. Then they would go home. Of course, they told the mom everything would be fine. They go home and the baby's having seizures. And they're having to bring the baby back and put the baby in ICU. Follow the money, honey. Who's getting rich off the vaccines? Who's getting rich here? See, they're telling people to do that because every time that's done, insurance is paying for it and the money goes all the way up to Big Pharma. Everybody say corruption. See, in the days to come, I think we're already there. Hopefully, everybody in the sound of my voice knows that you can't trust the governments of the world. And um, you just need to be careful. Because I, I'm sitting here looking at this back when all this happened. I didn't panic. I didn't freak out. But I have faith in God. My family got hit with COVID. And we took communion and we prayed. And God, in his mercy, had nothing to do with our spirituality or anything like that. But God touched us and healed us and raised us up. It was God took care of us. The bottom line is God's going to take care of his people if you have faith in God. But people panicked and people freaked out and people did things in a panic. So how is Satan going to keep introducing things that people normally wouldn't do by creating circumstances that make them afraid and they'll do it out of fear? And here's the persecution. I, how many remember how, how much persecution came for those that weren't going to the, take the vaccine? Or if you weren't going to wear your little mask all the time. You had these, these Jezebels that were there like, put your mask on, you know, pull it up. And there's total freaking out. They're going to do the same thing with the mark of the beast. 
It's going to be presented as something that everybody should do, and if you're not going to do it, there's going to be all this pressure, like, why won't you? And, there, you know, there, it, trust me, it's going to be like it was with the vaccines. It was funny during the vaccines, though, because people would sit there and freak out that they're going to die. And, I, and the question that everybody was asking that didn't want it was like, if you got the vaccine, then you're supposedly immune. What are you worried about, man? Are you, so you're basically saying yours doesn't work, you know, unless I take it. And then we all get boosters and stuff. But I guess that's what they believe. But can human DNA be messed with? Yes, it can. And I know that, that Satan tried to mess with it back in the days of the Nephilim. But even beyond that, there's been a messing with human DNA. Um, and I know that this would be something I'm probably wasting my time saying it in American culture because it's just something that's not really understood in, or even well received, but lycanthropy in the occult is where demonic possession causes people's physical bodies to change and be altered, and yes, that does happen. And so I wonder in the days to come uh, how much alteration and change is going to be going on in the human DNA if people aren't going to use some wisdom. So don't just blindly follow every trend that comes down the road, and every time our, our government or whatever tries to tell you you need to take something, don't just blindly take it. Look into it. And not only that, but let's forget about that, that COVID vaccine for a moment. How did we get from having like, how many, vac okay, those of you that are baby boomers, as a kid you had what, about eight or so vaccines, right? Do y'all remember? Okay. Did you know there's like 50 now? Did we, did we have like 40 more pandemics or that, that I didn't know about? I mean, what was it? Measles, mumps, rebellia, polio, things like that. And so, I mean, there was, there was like eight of them. But, but now we've got like 50 that they're trying to give kids. What other things are they trying to supposedly vaccinate your kids from? So what I'm saying is, is just use some wisdom in the days to come. What are you getting put in you? You know, what, what effects is it going to have long term? So I personally believe things are coming to a close. I think Mystery Babylon, what was scattered from Nimrod, has been regathered over the ages, over like a thousand-year period. Roman Catholicism has been regathering all this information and knowledge in, into one place and that's Mystery Babylon. It, it has to do with an occult religious system that's going to bring the, the religions together to worship the Antichrist one day. And so, Lord, we thank you for your word tonight. It's been very strange sermons the last couple of weeks, but I think important. And I think important to get people to think about some things, maybe think outside the box and think, it, think of things from a biblical worldview. And, Lord, I thank you for your word let this be sealed in us now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. You can go ahead and, and shut things down back there if you would.